0: Across the Street, Across the Country is a production of DKI Canada. We're going to advocate for that client. That's our role. But we're also going to ensure that we're buffering them from all the people that are throwing a whole bunch of information that they
1: don't understand.
0: Desperate, try to fix
1: Most of us rarely give it a passing thought, insurance. And when we do, many of us roll our eyes while getting our backs up, or worse. Because let's face it, many of us don't understand fully or appreciate or afford the respect the insurance industry deserves, as well as the people, because remember, the industry is made up of real people, like Martin Moran, whom we heard from there, who make insurance work for us. On today's episode, in the first of two parts... We shine the light on a topic in which we're often in the dark. And we put a face as well as an articulate, passionate, thoughtful voice to something we hope we never need, but probably will at some point. My name is Denny Grignon and this is across the street, across the country.. In the immediate aftermath of any disaster, no matter its magnitude or whether you're seeing it up close or on your TV or a computer or your phone, there are a raft of emotions and questions. Inevitably, they will lead eventually to the topic of insurance. Did those people have insurance? If so, how much? Who determines how much? What kinds of restoration can the insurance company cover? And if we're being completely honest, most of us really don't understand how insurance claims work, though many, maybe most of us are quick, too quick to go on the defensive, projecting that insurance companies are these faceless corporate entities bent on profits. But those companies, they're made up of people who often have to make hard choices, not based on whims, but based on information, rules, laws, signed contracts. Martin Moran is an advanced chartered insurance professional. He's also claims manager with BFL Canada in British Columbia, which, full disclosure, is the insurance broker for many DKI members as well as DKI Corporate. Martin joins me on the line now from his home office in Vancouver to address some of those previous questions and, well, to also put a face and a voice to insurance. Hi, Martin.
0: Hi, Denis. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for being here. As a claims adjuster, this seems like it can be a tough stressful, maybe even thankless job, some would say. So I have to ask you, what drew you to it, Martin?
0: Uh, I'm an insurance brat. My father uh, was also in claims for the majority of his career with uh, uh, several insurers. And uh, I have an older brother that was also in the claims industry. Uh, so it's a bit of a family business, as it were. When I started in the late 90s, Uh, I had an opera, or sorry, the early 90s. Um, I had an opportunity to join a firm that would train me, that gave me a company car. I was 20 or 21 years old. It all sounded pretty exciting and kind of like DKI. Uh, I'm in my 30th year of business.
1: I have to admit, not a lot of people would think of the insurance business as being exciting. Maybe stable and a a good provider, but not exciting. What did you find exciting about it?
0: Going out to. Claims going out to meet individuals and especially going out to meet business owners and getting to ask them about their business and letting them tell you, letting them talk about, you know, what is essentially their baby. Um, I learned so much about so many different types of businesses, just being uh, out on the road and handling claims, whether it was for someone's residence or for a small business or a large loss.
1: I'm gonna fire a few questions here that come to us from our CEO when when he and I were were chatting and, and he wanted to know and I'm curious too I mean given that you grew up in this you you lived and breathed this yeah is there anything else you might have gone to another career if, if you weren't doing this
0: I don't know I thought about that a lot there's there's <laughs> there's a lot of moments um especially you know uh when it's dark, it's two o'clock in the morning and you're on call for a weekend and you've just received your fifth or sixth water loss or whatever it is, where you question the choices that you've made. But probably by about my second year into the business, I knew that this is something that I wanted to do. And around the dining room table growing up as a kid, let's be clear, I was never going to go into the insurance business.
1: Well, I think a lot of us don't expect to end up in the industry that we do end up in in, and being happy with.
0: That's exactly right.
1: Okay. So when you get that claim that you have to address, regardless of the size of that claim, how do you prepare mentally before you have to head out to the site?
0: Maybe I'll tackle that from, you know, first the independent adjuster perspective, which is you just grab your briefcase and you go because you never know what you're going to see until you get there. And I think that goes whether you're an independent adjuster, whether you're a company adjuster, you take a quick look at the policy. Uh, hopefully you've got it and you know what the deductible is because that's going to be a question that you're going to get. But it's very much dealing with what you get to on scene. From our perspective at BFL, uh, which is we do go out to large losses. We do go out to losses for uh, newer clients that may be contentious or difficult or just tough situations for them to get through. Uh, we prepare for that in a a bit more of a logical way. Uh, We don't necessarily go out uh, immediately, although I have uh, gone out the next day after a fire, but we always try and meet with the adjuster and the restoration professionals on site so that we can be there to let our client ask us anything, to help advocate for our client uh, and to help make sure that by the time we're leaving, there's a strong game plan of how we go forward to begin uh, the demolition and to prepare for the eventual restoration.
1: Describe that mood to me, if you can, Martin, the mood when you're on site after fire, there's a lot of damage. The homeowner is probably walking around somewhat glassy eyed and and you're there with your briefcase and you have to lay out numbers to him in a process. How do you balance all of that?
0: Yeah, a lot of that is actually getting the homeowner to sort of step back and have a discussion directly with us where we can help them, you know, essentially, as the broker on a large loss in that situation, we're going to advocate for that client. That's our role. But we're also going to ensure that we're buffering them from all the people that are throwing a whole bunch of information that they don't understand. And helping them to interpret that and helping them understand what the process is.
1: Can you give me an example when you say buffering? Like what kind of information might be coming at them that might just be so overwhelming that you're going to step in and go, this is what they mean?
0: So you're going to get a complex fire, which you're dealing with a lot of water as an example. And, um... You know, there's going to be sections where they're going to have to cut out drywall. They're going to have to remove building materials. And what does that mean to the homeowner that doesn't understand how construction works? Mm -hmm. Or if you have just a plain water loss and you know, it's, it's a clean water loss. So you have the opportunity to dry some areas in place and cut out in other areas. And we can explain to them what that process is a little bit without getting too involved in the terminology. And then there's all the adjuster terminology, talking about coverage, talking about deductibles, talking about direct damage, talking about proximity, um, or proximate cause. There's, there's all sorts of things that just get thrown out that are technical speak, it's it's jargon and the homeowner or small business owner doesn't necessarily understand that. So we try and pull that back and just explain the process is going to be this this stage and then this stage and then this stage and then this stage. And we try and set an expectation so that they know what the game plan is for the next four to seven days. But they also know what uh, what's going to happen over the next three months and how we're going to help them and that sort of thing. One thing that we see from everybody is that very quickly there's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of when do I get things back in place?
1: When does my life come back to normal?
0: correct and you know we're happy to have those discussions with them to say okay well the contractor is dealing with subtrades for flooring or or whatever it is but there is a sense that things have to happen quickly and i think that sense of urgency is really important to translate to all of the team that's putting that person back to where they were beforehand, whether it's the adjuster, whether it's the restoration contractor, whether it's the other experts that get hired in on bigger claims.
1: Well, to circle back to that original point I I made, and this may seem like a simple question that I'm sure requires an elaborate answer. So my apologies right off the, the, the hop here. What does go into determining the amount that the property owner will receive in a claim if they'll receive anything at all?
0: Yeah, that's a super tough one. So as a broker, you know, even though we're uh, in the claims division of our brokerage, we don't ever end up making decisions on coverage. Neither do independent adjusters that always falls to the insurer. So ultimately the independent adjuster, as an example, would report to someone at the insurance company or the insurance company would have their field personnel out there and only those uh, folks that are insurance company employees have the authority to actually make those decisions Mm -hmm. everyone else can recommend or we can have discussions to try and move things forward but it's ultimately their decision how does the uh, final cost come in it depends smaller losses are fairly straightforward Uh, i think everyone within the dki organization is familiar with contractor connection and familiar especially with uh, exact analysis and the folks that work in those teams that approve what the estimates are that get uploaded by the restoration contractor and ultimately there's the price and that's done on larger losses there will often be cost consultants that are brought in to ensure costs are in line to see if there's some savings for the insurers there's places for all of these folks. There's reasons that they're all in there. That's just the reality of what we're working with these days. Um, and it's difficult to say sort of how that – that's a very difficult question to answer. You're correct. Because it's difficult to say how exactly does that get determined. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets determined by what the final repair costs actually are that are approved by whatever independent consultant, whether it's um, again, the the folks that are working on the software side at exact analysis or the outside experts that are retained on bigger claims. They're the ones that, that work with the restoration companies that uh, perhaps push back sometimes on some of the costs from the restoration companies and make them show why they are at that level. That's how those costs get determined.
1: In the wake of everything we've dealt with in the past year in, in some of the major weather uh, events, I'm just wondering if that homeowner wants to rebuild with provisions to negate those problems those effects that come with future disasters whether I don't know it could be as simple as tie downs on my roof rafters uh, should there be a big wind uh, uh, storm or I don't know raising the foundation in case of flooding is that possible for insurance companies will they oblige that
0: typically they're obliged to rebuild to original specifications and just in a little tangent, a lot of the insurers, as part of their own environmental commitment, have committed to allowing increased charges to use sustainable building materials. Um, now, that's completely different than what you're talking about, because what you're describing specifically is how do we mitigate this from ever happening again? Take flood, for example, and the big flood that happened, uh, in November of last year out in British Columbia here. A lot of the folks that were affected were built on a floodplain. They were built in what the insurance company has termed a red zone, rebuilding dikes and raising foundations. Those are all things that you're as a homeowner expected to undertake to mitigate your own loss. It's an insurance company by insurance company policy as to whether or not they would participate in that with a property owner. It's not very common. It's an expense that's expected to be there. And the the net result is it's sometimes hard to find insurance when you're in these threatened zones.
1: You've obviously seen a lot. You've been to a lot of these sites and, and you grew up in it. Is, is there maybe one claim that really stands out?
0: Yeah, there there's one fire that stands out for me that was a building that was under construction. It had a parkade underneath and the parkade was where the uh, tools for the various subtrades were being stored and there was a fire that burned so hot that it melted the concrete structure of the parkade it actually melted one of the support pillars right down to the reinforcing bar the rebar i believe that that was caused by a lithium battery fire from one of the uh, tool cribs from one of the subtrades who was just charging batteries overnight and it just burned so hot and that's a A factor of what we're starting to see more and more of is those lithium fires tend to be, you know, ridiculously hot. But the small tool crib, which was maybe 10 by 20, uh, ended up causing
1: about $9 million damage. Like most people, I, I don't know my policy intimately. So, what's it like dealing with people and explaining to them that, look, this is what your policy covers. This is what you signed on for, and this Mm -hmm. is what it allows, and this is what it doesn't allow. And especially when they're in that moment where they're maybe in, you know, dealing with that fire that you just described. For you to explain that to them at that moment, what's that like?
0: Yeah, it can be really difficult. Um, You know, you're dealing with people's property, you're dealing with people's livelihood or their residences, and it's a very difficult um, conversation to have but it's one you have to be prepared for there are certain things that are just not going to be covered water entry through a foundation is almost entirely excluded and we try and find you you always try and find the coverage the first company I worked for the founder had stated that you know you always look for coverage. And only in the absence of coverage do you start looking at exclusions. So we're trying to find ways always to put it in there. But yeah, we have to have difficult conversations. Um, we try and have those conversations up front with our commercial clients because we are really a commercially focused brokerage. Uh, and we'll have that discussion when they're looking to report a claim, will review the policy and say to them, look, we can report it. We don't know if coverage is going to be found because the policy says this and this and this about this situation. But ultimately, it's the insurance company that will make that decision.
1: I know you're the insurance broker for many DKI members and DKI corporate. What has that taught you maybe about restoration claims, small ones, big ones, on how restoration company's work, maybe something that you didn't know previously.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to um, give a shout out to my colleague, uh, Jamil Karamani, who is actually the client executive that deals with the DKI locations. I'm the claims guy for DKI, so I'm where the rubber beats the road when a, a location has a claim that they need to deal with. It's taught me a lot, but it's reinforced something that I've known for a long time, and that's probably more important. I spent about five years working in the restoration industry. I was a national account manager, so I was um, helping to deal with insurers and bridging the gap with vendor managers and that sort of thing. That experience, that six years that I spent in restoration has really come to the fore when it comes to dealing with claims for DKI. Stuff happens on job sites and sometimes a location goes in, they're doing restoration and they nick a water pipe or something else happens. Is that something that you should just try and manage yourself without putting a claim in? Or is it big enough that you should in fact get your insurance involved and walking that line and how do you help folks determine whether or not it is worth putting that claim forward? It also has given me a unique perspective when it comes to specialized areas of insurance, and I'm going to use cyber as an example. The term cyber in the insurance industry, um, because it sounded great, I suppose, I think it's more marketing than anything else, but they're technology-based claims. And what will most commonly happen to a business the size of DKI would be something along the lines of a ransomware attack where you're just locked out of your systems entirely. And I know a lot of locations have great IT folks that work in-house or have great third-party IT folks that are constantly working on network security. But our experience with these, as an example, is that the intrusion will happen somewhere between four weeks and three to four months before any action is taken. When action is taken, they lock out every endpoint, they lock out every single system. And the way that affects uh, a location would be that nobody can log into their system, nobody can receive new assignments from any of their uh, insurers that they're on the panel for, nobody can do billing, nobody can do estimating, nobody can do any uploading, You have no access to any web interface you have no access into exact analysis or exactimate because you don't have access into your computer everyone is locked out including the folks in the back office that are generating these estimates and submitting them and ensuring that the KPI flags are ticked it's very very important to understand the severity of these sort of attacks and from my perspective I know how much of that business will be affected. I know which folks will be unable to operate and it allows me to really assist them as they go through the process and deal with the insurers resources that uh, come with the cyber policies which are very, very effective. So. I believe having that ability to have those discussions and to really push to uh, make sure that all those resources are being utilized to get people back online, uh, I think that that's probably one of the things that I've taken away the most. I don't even know me anymore, and the day is coming soon, guess i got to do this all on my own.
1: I'm coming up. In a future episode, we'll bring you part two of my conversation with Martin Moran of BFL Canada, the insurer for many DKI members. Our show is a production of DKI Canada, a leader in Canadian property restoration. DKI Canada provides services to insurance, commercial and residential clients from coast to coast. So whether it's an emergency response, water damage mitigation, fire and contents cleaning, mold remediation, or a complete reconstruction, DKI members are available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. If you're ever in need of emergency assistance, here's a number to call. one 855 dki 2 day That's 1-855-354-2329. Big thanks to Close Kicks and Juno Award-winning Daryl James, who provide the theme music for our show. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what we do and what you'd like to hear. You can reach us via dki.ca. DKI Canada contributes to creating a better future through environmental protection and social responsibility. Focused on leaving things better than DKI found them, DKI is committed to using environmentally sustainable cleaning products and mitigating risk in environmentally sustainable ways. You can find our show on your favorite streaming platform where you can rate us, and that helps other people find our show. Across the Street, Across the Country is written, produced, and hosted by me, Jenny Grignel. We're back soon with a brand new episode. Take care of yourself and those around you.